The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for November 5th, 2021, live from the belly of the beast, Washington, D.C. This is your boy, Justin Robert Young, digesting, 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 sifting out the nutrients, the lessons, and excreting the rest, all the garbage and the noise of election day 2021 i've got three things that i very much believe is uh uh the 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 issues to point out not only from what happened on tuesday but also going forward for both parties i will reveal them to you forthwith i also got a bone to pick about concessions I got I got a take on concessions. I think that we are creating a permissive world of cowardice in politics when it comes to concessions. I believe that the culture that we have allowed leads to very dangerous things up to and including uh, degradation of our ele- election integrity. And on the extreme, things like January 6th. So we'll talk about that. Also, uh, uh, a, a very interesting story here from New Jersey. Although the Republicans were not able to take the governor's mansion, there were several down ballot races that went the opposite way. None as interesting as the story of Edward Durr, who has a, uh, uh, unseated the second most powerful man in New Jersey politics. (laughs) We're going to tell you what it means to be a Durr Republican, uh, including his, his uh, uh, funny, funny Twitter account that may or may not have him reacting to what is a surely a bot because it's got a, a full number like a phone number, including area code beyond the, uh, 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 the, the, the letters of the handle. He's responding to that with quote, wow, sexy ass body end quote. Oh, the life of Durr. All that. But first. All right, so here is uh, uh, my my list. I, I, I wrote these down here. Uh, lessons from Tuesday. Number one, and I cannot put this up high enough. Education, education, education. 
I said it on election night. I'm going to say it again and get used to it because we are going to say it a lot between now and the midterms. This is a massive issue. And it's a very big problem for the Democrats who are tied to teachers unions. Not only that, but the Democrats were the party of quote unquote, do something when it came to COVID. And now they're going to have to deal with the fallout when it comes to distance learning, as well as mask and vaccine mandates. Look, if you are doing it for public health, and I, I, I understand, but we also have to understand in politics that these things when they go on and on and on and you don't know when they're going to end and they are affecting people's businesses, they are going to have a cost. And it seems as if the bill has come due. Now, obviously, Virginia showed us that critical race theory and transgender issues animate the right to the same level, if not more, than Donald Trump's messaging did. That makes education a cross-party winner of an issue for the GOP. And Democrats need to come up with a better way to counter it than Terry McAuliffe's none of this exists and you're racist if you think otherwise. That's lazy thinking. And it lost the Democrats a governor's mansion that they should have won. By the way, right here on the Hill, uh, not but a few feet from where I am right now, we have seen that the, that the Republicans recognize very, very clearly that this is a winning issue for them. Kevin McCarthy already uh, uh, drafting and, and letting everybody who will listen know that the Republicans are going to put together a parental bill of rights. Look, whether or not you think critical race theory is a real issue, is real at all, right? Whether or not you believe that mask mandates and vaccine mandates for schools are necessary. Either you shape these issues or you don't. And it's not shaping the issue to ignore it, to put your head in the sand and say, anybody who thinks that this is a real thing is a liar or a racist. Okay, lesson number two. The rural divide is beginning to get Harry, and this plays into the education thing. So what we saw in the uh, in, in the results yesterday is that the GOP can't play in the cities. Nothing new. But education gives them a path in the suburbs that went away with Trump and specifically went away with Trump's handling of COVID. But Democrats can't at all play in rural areas. And generally, that's not an issue. But when you look at the margins, when you're not even trying with a message to play in the rural issues, when you are exclusively talking to progressives in the cities, you are going to see what happened in Virginia happen over and over and over and over again. Now, I get why Democrats believed that that wasn't. Trump turned out white voters without a college degree, largely the kind of folks that are living in these rural areas, in 16 and 20. But the results in 2018 seem to suggest that that trend doesn't play when Trump's not on the ballot. Okay? Well, the problem is, is that the opposite happened in Virginia. And here's why. Education and inflation. They play statewide. These are Big, big problems for the Democrats. They're going to need, but number one, there's, there's, a, there's a cross your fingers thing because inflation 
is a persistent drag on your on the party in power. There's just no other way to 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 say it. Either this stuff goes away or you will be punished for it. Go ahead and ask Jimmy Carter. You need 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 to be able to have a message that at least understands it. And that means a message that you can take into these rural areas. There, there's a lot that's been made recently, and we will see when, when, the, when the hard data comes in. But there was exit polling that suggested that Glenn Youngkin won Latinos outright in Virginia. Uh, that would be a shock. Now we'll see. Because, you know, the, the, the Latino vote in Virginia isn't gigantic. I think it's like 5 to 7% of the electorate. But that would continue what we have seen, which is Republicans getting serious about Hispanic outreach, Spanish language ads, uh, the idea that they have a message that is resonating. We talked about this in California, that the, the California GOP are idiots if their next candidate for governor isn't a beer-bellied, mustachioed Mexican man, a Mexican father. Like, that, that is, that is uh, the only person that they should run, and we are seeing it nationwide. There was a seat in, uh, a, a seat in the San Antonio area that flipped, a heavily Latino seat that flipped. Uh, for 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 the Republicans. Even if they are not winning Latinos, the fact that Republicans are eating away at these margins matters. And if Democrats don't get serious about eating away at the margins in the rural areas by finding an issue that speaks to them, then they're going to find themselves with bad, bad math problems. All right, number three, Trump and January 6th are crutches that need to be retired. Look, the media loves to talk about January 6th. Every major cable news network are debuting documentaries about it either this week or next week. And we're in the midst of hearings. And yet, nationally, no one cares, at least politically. It's not a sticky Subject, Virginia Dems did their best to make it stick to Youngkin. They made it their best to make it stick to uh, their attorney general candidate, Miares. And yet, both of them won. Michael Cohen on, uh, I, I don't know if this made the, the show that we put out on, on Wednesday morning, but he made the point that Terry McAuliffe ran for a county commissioner seat in Fairfax County, which is a commuter county for D.C. And yeah, January 6th is going to be more of an issue for people that were around January 6th. If you are within a 30-mile radius, then yes, it's going to be more of a thing. But it's my opinion that it's time to recognize January 6th for what it is. A local issue to D.C. It's Steven Strasburg. It's Ben's Chili Bowl. This is... Something that matters to folks that are in D.C. media and politicians. Beyond that, it's not a politically relevant issue on a national level. And the more you talk about it, the more you are not talking about something that might resonate with voters. 
And then, of course, we've got Chungus, the Trump of it all. Youngkin won by treating Trump like a regular ass, unpopular in the state ex-president. He accepted Trump's endorsement, didn't disavow him, moved on. Trump, to his credit, didn't demand more. Now, will he demand more of the spotlight if it seems like it's drifting away? Probably. He has a bit of an attention whore. But as of now, in those elections on Tuesday in blue states, he was an asset for the GOP candidates. For the Democrats, he's an addiction. That suburban Trump rejection, specifically with COVID, was such a winning issue for them, I can understand why they want to keep hitting the same button over and 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 over again. But it can't be the full message. You can't just say this guy's Trump. Am I right? And move on. You've got to find an issue. If you do not build your campaign around an issue that resonates with the people you need to vote for, then you are running a bad campaign and you deserve to lose. It's just that simple. Friends, I want to thank you all for uh, supporting this show. If you would like to continue to support it, you can go ahead on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Uh, folks, it, it is it is very, very easy to head on over there and uh, uh, make sure that you get, a, get in at the $3 level. That gives you access to the bonus episodes both on Sunday or Sunday night and on uh, Thursday, the late edition. The late edition this week has the latest on the Biff and the BBB, according to Nancy Pelosi, and a very, very, very funny story from one of the most, uh, uh, one of the hill bars. I, I just, it, it was it was the time of my life. I went into a, 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 a Capitol Hill bar at around one o'clock in the afternoon and had the perfect, DC Hill dive bar experience as a lobbyist who is affiliated with the DNC came in. We talked shop for like an hour and a half and he drained five count them five screwdrivers during his lunch break. Oh my God. It was a delight. Like I know some people want to book that star Wars hotel where you can have like an immersive star Wars experience. That was what my version would be like. I just want crusty old political veterans with a smoker's cough. You can hear in the next County telling me all sorts of tales out of school about the, the, the current past and future of politics. It was amazing. And you can listen to it. If you head on over to Take Politics Seriously right now, sign up at the $3 level or above, and you get that custom RSS feed. Go. Do it now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com.
Democratic candidate Terry McAuliffe. He is the former governor of Virginia. He is in the running tonight to become the next governor of Virginia as well. Uh, an upbeat speech and a weird little dance uh, from Terry McAuliffe tonight. Not a concession, although the NBC News characterization of that race right okay, now. Okay, I got a little rant I want to go on real quick. So the the sound you heard was Rachel Maddow describing Terry McAuliffe dancing as his last public act as he gave a non-concession speech on Tuesday night. And, and for folks who listened to that episode, you knew that that was very annoying to me. But I've been ruminating on it more. And, and, and I, want to, I want to spell out my thoughts here. Number one, I believe it is cowardice to not concede in front of your supporters. Now, mail-in balloting has made things take a little bit longer. Sometimes you do legitimately have to kind of go into overtime. And the next day, you, you know, have, uh, you know, like, look, if this is a situation where, where you are within a couple hundred votes and there's a recount, okay, that's fine. You don't need to do it that night. But Terry McAuliffe went up there and gave that speech an hour before his race was called by all the major media company or all the major media outlets. He knew that he had lost. And yet he took the coward's way out and said, we're still counting votes and got out there before Glenn Youngkin. Now here's why I think that this is important. I think that psychically, psychically the candidate, the tribal leader, going to the people that have volunteered for his campaign, have donated to his campaign, and saying, we ran a tough race, but we lost, is important. It signals that you can ratchet down all the adrenaline that you've been running on. You can begin to process the disappointment. I believe in the absence of that, we allow situations like Stacey Abrams and we allow situations like Donald Trump. It begins with that moment of courage to go in front of the people that believe in you the most and say, we couldn't pull it out. I have been on the record saying that I would go further than this. I believe it should be tradition that at some point within two weeks of the election, the candidates go out to lunch together. I think it should be a semi-public thing. I think people should know about it. You should have some pictures taken. It, it can be awkward. It can be weird. That's fine. The fact of the matter is that we are slowly allowing this kind of permanent 24-7 rancor between parties and candidates to get worse. And it begins with the cowardice of not being able to say we lost. Concede. Concede in front of the people that believe in you. Because here's the other thing. All those volunteers that, that take off uh, of work, that don't spend time with their families so they can knock on doors for you, if you win as a candidate, you get power, you get influence, you get clout, you get money. What do they get? If you win, certainly self-satisfaction of a job well done, 
but realistically, they probably just get asked for more money when you run again. You owe it to them. You owe it to them. One of the things that made me like Andrew Yang the most was when he quit in New Hampshire. He could have kept running, but the reason why he said he did it was because he knew his supporters were so rabid they would keep giving him money as long as he kept running, and he, in good conscience, couldn't continue to take it. So he quit, and he quit right in front of the Yang gang. I was there shortly after he did it. I watched them all process it. It's important. I've been in a lot of those rooms. It's important. And if you deny people that, well, you just get into the same problem with the, you know, the fact that campaigns are Mr. Meeseeks. They are not designed to live <laughs> uh, for, for a certain period of time. Existence is pain for a Meeseeks. Once the candidate is there, once the campaign is done, uh, they, they want to go away as, as fast as possible. And the longer they stay around, the weirder they get. All right, let me tell you the story of Edward Durr. Yes, Edward Durr. He is the uh, uh, newly elected member of the New Jersey State Assembly. He defeated, uh, sorry, uh, the, the state Senate. He beat Senate uh, President Steve Sweeney. Uh, Steve Sweeney is somebody that was looked at as like, you know, power wise, second only to Murphy, the governor. <laughs> and meanwhile, Durr, a truck driver for the furniture store, Raymore and Flanagan was indeed declared the victor uh, today, beating Steve Sweeney, who was looked at as a possible governor's candidate in, in, in the next few years. It is just amazing. This, according to uh, a, a Politico, uh, I keep telling myself uh, and telling people I was going to do it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, how am I going to beat the Senate president? My daughter was sitting next to me. She laughed and said, Dad, you've got tears running down my face. What did Durr run on? Oh, by the way, he spent like a couple hundred dollars on, on his campaign. Uh, Sweeney was a man who had fought off a campaign that was bankrolled by 5.4 million previously. What were the issues that, that, that Durr ran on? Quote, you have uh, this debacle of unemployment, the masking of kids in schools. You have Senator Sweeney trying to take away people's medical freedom rights. I think the perfect storm was that he stepped in a pile of you know what and couldn't get out of it because he didn't know which way to turn. I just tapped into the right focus. Edward Durr, uh, who is a grandfather of six, has a Twitter account that is exactly what you would imagine a truck driving grandfather from New Jersey would, <laughs> would have. He yells at people, uh, makes uh, incendiary political statements and responds to bots about their sexy body. These are stories that I love in politics, the, the absolute upset, and also shows exactly how dangerous things are for even big name, high powered people when you are talking about off off year elections. 
specifically with low turnouts. So kings to you, Edward Durr. Durr Republicanism begins to run wild. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to email the show, you can do exactly that. Just head on over to theyoungamerican at gmail.com. If you want to follow our Twitter, it is px3tweets. You can follow my live streams, px3live. Of course, you can share this podcast at px3podcast.com and our merch can be found at politicsmerch.com. If you would like to give us a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20 and our cash app is px3cash. Send me anything physical in the mail to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. One more time, you want to get a bonus content? Easy to do. Take politicsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Idris Arslanian, DJ Katie Mack, Neemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, the Quince Anile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicery. TV salesman or spy. D. Really and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please. Dot com junkie, DP4 Bongo, Pop Gold, Jewish Lives Matter, Double K Ranch, 100 Mile Runner. Ye old pinball shop, John. Snuffy's off route 44, Neil. Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, D-Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, the Jen, Will, J-Pink, and Andrew. Hope everybody has a great weekend. I am flying back. I think I have had enough of the mid-Atlantic region for a little bit, going back to the friendly confines of central Texas. Uh, Oh, uh, update there. Uh, Proposition A soundly defeated in Austin. So there is no arbitrary number of police being hired. That, I believe, is Save Austin now. Maybe stretching out a little bit too far. Austin's still a pretty liberal city, as it turns out. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.
politics, politics, politics.